Welcome to the Retire Right Podcast with Larry Heller. You deserve complete financial advice. There's no acceptable alternative if you want to plan to live well and on your terms. Complete financial advice equals complete peace of mind. Now, let's get into this week's podcast episode. Hello and welcome to Retire Right with Larry Heller from Heller Wealth Management. And we are excited to have Joy Laverty with us today. Joy is a leading consultant in the mature market industry, a trusted advisor in aging, caregiving, and elder care-related issues, and the author of The Complete Elder Care Planner. Joy's work has been featured on Today, the CBS Early Show, NPR, and in USA Today, and the Wall Street Journal. Joy is here to tell us more about her current book, Who Will Take Care of Me When I'm Old?, Larry, you and I were just joking about it. I sneezed and pulled something in my neck. I'm old. I need a book. <laughs> yeah, well, me too, Eric. I'm right. I'm right there with you, Eric. <laughs> uh, Joy, thank you for coming on. Yeah, Joy, thank you for you coming on. You know, not only is this going to be a great podcast for my clients um, who are in the age, but even their children. So uh, there's so much information in the in this book, and we're going to get to that book in a minute. Joy, why don't you, you, you tell us, uh, I know you've been a family caregiver most of your life, but why don't you tell the audience a little bit about your background? Sure. I uh, started, I got started in the caregiving family elder care situation when I was in high school, when I noticed that the people in my family were getting old. And also I volunteered to go to a nursing home as a high school student. And so I saw the results of what can happen when we do not plan. Because remember, there is no planning in a crisis. We get what we get, and we're, we have very few options at that point. Well, my volunteer experience as a high schooler led me to write the first book, which the Complete Elder Care Planner is meant for family members to talk to each other. And that's where the process of planning begins. Awesome. So you just mentioned your first book. So now the second book, Who Will Take Care of Me When I'm Old, is what we're going to talk about today. Why did you write that book? Well, funny you should ask, because about 10 years ago, as I was traveling around the country talking about family caregiving, Little by little, people would come up to me after a presentation of that nature, and they'd say, hey, you know, I'm taking good care of my parents, but who's going to take care of me when I'm old? And a bingo, the, the bell went off in my head, and I said, that's my next book. But 10 years ago was way too early. I had to wait until just recently while people were starting to get on the other side of family caregiving and thinking about their own well-being and future selves. So I wrote it because it was the next thing that needed to be written. So is this geared to a certain age group? No, what's really interesting, Larry, is when I give a presentation, now I have people in the audience from 30 to 80 and everything in between. Ah, well, uh, and some of the interesting takeaways here, I noticed that you said that one third of the baby boomers, of which I am, are now, are single. And mm -hmm. I, I guess a lot of people that would, may say that, you know what, 
my kids will take care of me because I have some of these conversations with, with our clients and they're like, well, I have three kids or two kids. They're going to take care of me. How do you kind of answer that? Well, first of all, the baby boomers are the last generation of caregivers as we know it. Many of us stayed close to parents who would continuously remind us, right? We're going to take care of you, you right? You're, yep. you're it. But we did not raise our children that way. We, we said, get out there and go be something and go, go do what you have to do. So our children have very different lives than we do. And there's no way that having children is a guarantee that they will even be able to take care of us. They have their own situations to deal with. So we have to make other plans. Absolutely. So we're going to try to get through a lot of this book today. If we don't, we'll have Joy back because there's so much packed into this, including a tremendous amount of resources. But I noticed you, you broke the book down into five main categories. So let's, as an overview, let's try to touch on each one if we have enough time today. So let's start with uh, the first one that you, you call personal readiness. Uh, and I love this section. Uh, when I meet with a new client, one of the things that we do is we ask them to you know, paint us a picture of your life, you know, five years and 10 years and, and envision what your life is going to be about that time. Of course, they're thinking about all good times of that particular area. And you talk about the same thing, but kind of going backwards, looking at a crystal ball to see how your future had turned out. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I think what you're referring to, Larry, is my concept of time travel, right? Yes, so yes, we, absolutely. We look at, it's just, it's, it's a concept that we're familiar with when we watch a movie and they take us back and forth into the future, into the past. But what I'm referring to is for all of us to take a deep breath and be brave and take a look at the old people. And by old people, I mean anybody 30 years of age or older than us who have had a, life, a lot of life experiences under, under their belt by now. And take a look at how they are aging. So... Why is it that we can look at a 70-year-old and that person is extremely healthy, running marathons, and another 70-year-old is not doing as well? So time travel means we, we literally take a look and begin the process of asking questions. What did you do and what do you wish you had done? And then begin to say, okay, maybe I can formulate a plan based on the answers that they give me. It does require taking a look and seeing people can be both healthy and not so healthy and rich and poor in the future. Well, what did they do that got them to that place? That's the process of time travel. So a lot of personal readiness. A lot of people don't want to go there, but there are a lot of advantages of going forward and taking a look at what are your choices sooner rather than later. Yeah, one of the things that you talk about here, and it's so true that people don't want to plan, that you know they don't think oh, this is ever gonna to happen to me, and even though you may be age-wise considered older, you don't may not feel that way in your mind, so they push that push that off. So I mean, this is a great book to kind of start that process to think about think about that. So you know, what do you say to when you approach and you hear people that are not wanting do not want to plan? Well, I ask them what they don't want to plan for. 
So, so, so that, so it's like, what does that word plan mean to you? And what is the resistance there? The answer when I ever ask that question is so different. Everybody's got a different concept of what it, what it means to plan. So I basically have to dive deep with them and say, what is it that you don't want to look at? But what is it that you do want to look at? So let's just start there. Let's start with what you want in the future. Forget the planning thing. What do you want? Yes, but you'd be surprised, or you, maybe you're not surprised, but we're surprised at how many people don't plan for the retirement, let alone plan for who's going to take care of them when they get older. So just having books and get, talking about this subject and, and getting people to focus on that is so, so critical. One of the things that I do is I never use the word retirement, and I don't typically use the word plan, believe it or not. What I do talk about all the time is looking forward to creating strategies that offer a quality of life. And now the quality of life for everyone is completely different, but that's where we're going. How do I make sure I have a quality of life for the rest of my life, no matter what? Does that make sense? Absolutely. And, and I'm looking at the, the worksheets that you've put in here and, you know, how to really start thinking about what you're what you're saying here is, you know, some of the worksheets and, you know, where you are right now and define your life before, define your life after a change. Some of the these questions are really thought provoking to get people to understand the quality of life and, you know, how that could impact them. Oh, yeah, there's so many things we can be doing now to make sure whether it's a, uh, an unexpected illness or maybe it's where we want to live. It doesn't happen by accident. We just definitely have to go toward it in order to create that quality of life. Uh, abs abs absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and you know there are some other interesting things when you start talking about small thinking versus strategic thinking. Uh, I I love that the little the difference between the the difference between the two. Um, you want to explain a little bit about that? Sure. When we went to school, we did not learn the skills related to critical thinking, right? So we were taught find the answer. How much is two and two? Okay. There's a sense of definite answer to that. What we're missing, unless we take courses, are, this, are the strategies of critical thinking. So that's the difference between small thinking and critical thinking. And critical thinking is really cool because what it requires is for us to go out there and ask questions of people who are very different from us and find out what they may do in their own lives and then put together all these different answers that we get and come up with something that works for us. Critical thinking is so neat. We just have to go uh, figure out uh, what are those skills. And there's plenty of advice that I give in the book about creating a life based on getting answers from people who are from all walks of life, all different ages, all different cultures. And the answers quite often surprise us, but they're so fabulous. Right. And this book does get you to start thinking about that and thinking about all the different ways that your life could be impacted. So uh, so I love all these 
different emotions here. Um, I'm not sure. I, I guess you've done a lot of research here to, to try to come up come up with this. I'm trying to was trying to think is how did you think of all these things? Well, you know, when you write a book and you and you are published by a traditional publisher, you have to get your facts right. So I spent a lot of my time talking to experts like you, Larry. So I got the, the doctors, the financial planners, the lawyers, the scientists. All these people were part of my strategy for making sure I had a, a, a comprehensive guide. However, I spent most of my time with the old people themselves. So I would seek people who are 30 years older than me and I would ask them, hey, What's the first thing that goes wrong when you're old? And I would ask all my friends and all these people who are in their 90s and they're 100 years old, and I'd say, tell me about your life now. What do I need to plan for? Because no one knows better than these people. And that's how I came up with everything. I just went to, for me, the old people are the experts. <laughs> I guess I guess so. They've had the experiences here, so but there's so much great advice in the in this book. So everyone should really get a copy of it here. But you have you include some online accounts, you include links to websites, you include discounts. You talk about all the advisors that they should should meet meet with you. So uh, a lot of interesting information here. Um, why don't we go kind of to the second? of the five categories and in, 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 which is where you live matters. And, and that's so, so true. I mean, I went through this with my, with my mom and when she went from having living at home with a caregiver to an assisted living facility all the way to a nursing home. So I can really, I kind of experienced her, looking through her eyes, how she reacted to each one of those situations. So, you know, talk a little bit about that and, you know, where you live matters. Okay. Well, the first red flag, when, when we hear someone say, I'm going to just stay in my house for as long as possible. This is what I want. I love my house. I like my neighborhood. I like my friends. So this is where I'm going to stay. So that's a concept called aging in place. However, if that's as far as you take it, it's just a matter of time before everything blows up and, and the, you know, the world comes tumbling down. And the reason for this is, as we anticipate needing help, if we do, and we're aging in place, one of the first things that goes wrong is that we have to manage the staff of people coming in and out of our house. And what if somebody doesn't show up? Well, that's just the first of many things that we don't think about when we say, I'm gonna just stay here. The other thing is, is what about forgetfulness? Now, forgetfulness is, is going to wreak havoc in our decision-making. Did I do this? Did I forget to do this? Did I, did I uh, remember this? So we're, here we are aging in place, not knowing whether or not we, we are really complete and have a quality of decision-making going on. And we also have to assume that the house is going to age alongside of us, so we're going to be throwing money at the house. And then there's a serious consideration of what I call solitary confinement. So if you're aging in place in your own house, mm -hmm. over time, 
people who are around us may not be able to visit us, or maybe we can't get out very much. There's so much to think about regarding where we live. And this is just the beginning of it. Aging in place is not necessarily the answer in the long run. I, I agree, but there but there are still many people. We talked on the phone yesterday with a, with a client who is living by us, herself on the Jersey Shore, and you know she just likes being there. But she has she's thought about some other options, but really hasn't really delved into it. So, you know, how do you get people to kind of least look into what are the other options and to start thinking about? where else you may want to live? Well, she doesn't necessarily have to move. There's a lot of, um, uh, there are a lot of ideas now regarding shared housing or living in your own home, but being part of a larger community, like the village concept. So the first thing to do is to just consider what are my options if I do want to age in place? What kind of systems can I create to make this real? I don't necessarily think that everybody should consider moving, but how are you going to make aging in place work for you? And I talk a lot about that in my book. And you've seen places where shared housing is working? Oh, yeah. It's amazing. So, so you can choose to live with someone else or have somebody come in. There are a lot of organizations now that are helping. It's kind of like a dating service where you can go online and find the right roommates. You know, people don't realize that college students, many of them can't afford housing. And so people who are considering shared housing are often having students move into the home with them while they're at school. It's a great win-win situation. This is just one example of many nursing students or, or people who are in jobs temporarily. There's a lot of neat things going on in the shared housing world. Hmm. And, and no, some great ideas. And if unfortunately, if you're not able to stay in your home, you know, talk about kind of what are some of the key factors that you think about if you do need to look to be in a place outside the home? Well, that will depend on health and also money. So depending on what you can afford, there are all kinds of different options like co-housing where you might live in a development where there's all ages, intergenerational, or living on a campus. Many of the universities are opening up housing to, to people who are 55 and older. So it's like an ongoing lifelong learning situation. And of course, there are life plan com communities, all of these require looking into what we can afford. But the latest thing that's been happening, Larry, that I'm happy to say is there are organizations now that are creating housing for people who just have moderate income, anywhere between 25,000 and 100,000 maybe in the bank. There are, there are affordable housing for people like that. And most of these places are run by the people who live there. It's really uh, this whole boomer situation with looking for new housing is starting new movements in the housing industry. That's great to hear because th th that's going to be so important as the, the population ages to be able to have some of those solutions. 
Yeah, it's all about money. I hate, I hate to say when it comes to housing, but the sooner you begin to, to assess your own situation, whether you want to stay home or look elsewhere, you got to go to a financial planner such as yourself to say, okay, what does my financial picture look like now and forever? Mm, absolutely. Um, let, let, let's move on to the next section you call safety, safety nets. And you have an in interesting title chapter called Dr. Me. What do you mean by that? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, there's... Um, I don't assume, and neither should anyone else, that that the need for health care is going to be in our in our future. Let me give you an example. My mother never needed health care a day in her life, and she died at the age of 92 by never waking up. She died in her sleep. So doctor me means we don't necessarily need to go forward and think, oh, I'm gonna to have to pay for healthcare. But doctor me also means the other parts of our life that keep us healthy, like being social. So, so doctor me means look at, look at all the things that are gonna keep me well. And being social and in some cases spiritual and having a purposeful life this is all this big picture of what it's going to take to to be well as best we can. Yeah, I think it's uh, you make a good point about spiritual and also you know also mental. You know, I, we we talk about uh, we see a lot of clients where they stop working and all of a sudden it has a great mm -hmm. impact on their health because they're not mentally stimulated so so much. I, I do believe that being mentally stimulated later in life does have a major impact. What do you think? Well, it's been documented. The MacArthur Foundation uh, did a study on aging and said wellness has four parts. So not only is it physical, but it is intellectual social and spiritual. And one of those doctors, there were 16 scientists that all got together. And one of those scientists is a good friend of mine. And I said to him, tell me what is the number one greatest brain fitness exercise that you recommend? And he said, hands down, it is to interact with another human being in person. So if you think about when we're with someone, all those things that go through our mind when when we're having a conversation with someone else that's what keeps us healthy mentally hmm. you can't do that if you're home alone right i was about about to say and you, <laughs> you, you've mentioned that a third of the baby boomers are kind of alone there so they've got to figure out mm -hmm. a way of being able to interact a, a, a great that's uh, a great tidbit to, to know um, so also in, in the in the chapter, you talk about, you know, chronic illness as the game changer and, and, and some of the holes that you need to look for in your sa in your safety net. What do you mean by that? Well, first of all, financially, chronic illness is quite expensive. So that's the first thing we have to do is take a look at how we're going to be able to afford that. So by by the game changer, uh, that's part of it. So when we think about looking for a support system, when chronic illness may be around us, we also have to include the idea of forgetfulness 
And I'm not talking Alzheimer's. I am talking about the little things that may steal our ability to remain safe and sound. So by, by chronic illness and by that being a game changer, we need to look beyond the immediate and begin to think about strategic partners and advocates who are going to begin to be with us for the rest of our lives. So most of the forward-thinking attorneys and, and um, financial planners are partnering with life care managers and, and vetting and managing these processes with us so that we can remain independent and we can remain sustaining in our, in our society for as long as possible, especially if we don't have children who are going to be available to us. It's just we need to think strategically about partners and advocates. And financial planners, of course, are so important in this picture. No, absolutely. Um, you know, going to part five, you know, we, we, you title it No Tomorrow, and I love the, the, the <clears throat> next title of, your, of, the, of the chapter because it's so, it's so true. People say, just shoot me is not a plan. And that's actually people say that to us when we're putting together a financial plan and we're talking about situ situations and they're like, well, if that gets, I've already told my, my spouse and my children just to shoot me or just to pull the plug. And unfortunately in this country, you can't do that. So, so, you know, some of the le learning lessons from, from dying, but why don't you speak about that a little bit? It, it's so interesting uh, because we assume that the people who are in our lives right now will be available to us throughout the rest of our lives. And though we can tell somebody, well, we have the paperwork that already says, this is what I want at the end of my life. The people who have that paperwork, it's like the revolving door of relationships going on throughout our lives. People die, they move away, children are not available. And so just shoot me is not a plan, is only half the story. We may have all our wishes in order, but who is going to actually be there for us? So this is quite interesting because it's creating new businesses for people who are becoming professional and patient advocates. And as we go forward planning, we need to, we, and, and I, you had mentioned there are so many resources in the book. This is one of those resources we're really going to want to have in our back pocket. And that is who is really going to be there for me at the end of my life. And we can plan mm. for that right now. Uh, you know, a absolutely. And you also talk about places to go and things to, things to do. And it's kind of interesting. We're talking about, we do a plan, we're talking to them about their legal documents, their wills and their healthcare proxies and their power of attorneys. And, you know, one of the things that I also, that I kind of try to explain to people this, one of the things you may want to do is kind of write, write an I love you letter on some of the other non-financial things you want to, may want to put into your, to your loved ones. But I love you, you list a whole different idea about, you know, why you should leave your mark and some of the things that you should think about doing um, later in your life or, or leaving a legacy. 
So mm-hmm. th- th- those things are, those things are, are, are great. I guess you got a lot of those from talking to different different people, but there's so many of them in here that um, it, it's really it's really inter- it's interesting. Is there any one or two of them that jumps out as you as kind of your favorites? Just the simple ones, like you mentioned. I mean, leaving a legacy to me has nothing to do with money. Even though if you have a lot of money, it's great if you can donate it to someone. But many of us aren't in that situation. What about your your favorite recipe? Or what about telling your story? These are these are things that the next generation will will want to know, whether they realize it or not now. Leaving a legacy means carrying on traditions. And if we don't tell people who are behind us in the next generations, they'll die. They'll die with us. So think think about things that uh, it's something as simple as maybe giving someone some something of your that you own currently and telling the story that's behind that item. It could be a necktie, it could be a little jewelry box and hand it to someone now while you're alive and tell them the story. You know, in my case, I have my grandmother's scissors. I mean, if my house were on fire, the first thing I'd grab are those scissors because they mean so much to me. They are part of my history and my mother, and here I am. And someday I will give those scissors to my daughter. Hmm. Yeah, I, I'd love to kind of explore that Explore that more. I, I think people would you know, greatly appreciate that or the next generation or even two generations, you know, a down would really, you know, love that. I've got a, a picture of probably my great, great grandparents that I found, but I know nothing about them or anything. So the picture alone is great. But if they would, would have been able to just hand down from generation to generation, something that was important to them, it would be so much more meaningful. Right. So possibly you can come up with a photograph that's more relevant to you and tells a story that you can tell your children and they can in turn tell their children. Absolutely. So, you know, we've covered a lot. Joy, maybe we'll have you back again to really even go <laughs> in, into into further. I, I can't emphasize enough how how much is in here. There's checklists there's websites, there's recommended reading, there's, you know, everything that you should be thinking about um, when it comes to who will take care of me when I'm, when I'm older. So everyone needs to read this book. So whether you're older or have a parent that is older, you know, please, please check out Joy at our website uh, at elderindustry.com where you can also purchase a copy of her book who will take care of me when I'm old. Joy, thank you so much for joining us today. I had a good time, Larry. Thank you. This was an amazing podcast. Thank you so much, Joy, for being here, Larry. <laughs> same thing. Thank you so much for bringing her on. Um, I just can't stop thinking about. I, I don't know if I'll let my father-in-law listen to this one because when you said <laughs> that right now shared housing, they're bringing in college folks to live with them. My father-in-law would take advantage of that. <laughs> How many college <laughs> boys can I get in here? Uh, yeah. So maybe we'll just not send this podcast to him. <laughs> However. I think it's an intriguing topic. I, I am really looking forward to seeing how this shapes up over the next five to 10 years, because uh, the, mm-hmm. just with that one situation, how much can people learn from you know the folks that have been there before, decades yeah. and decades? They've lived decades and decades longer 
and just to be able to share some housing and share some meals together, sit down and break bread with somebody that has a completely different perspective from you. Um, that's where wisdom truly starts. That's where you're passing things on to the next generation that you didn't have an opportunity to do before. So I, I think that's a beautiful thing. So I'm, I'm going to be getting your book uh, because I, awesome. again, I'm, I'm aging <laughs> as much as I hate to say it. And your I neck am. hurts? And my neck, I can't, I can't look to my right monitor right now to see what the time is, but uh, I know we're... <laughs> about there but yes so thank you so much for being on the podcast larry again thank you for bringing her on and audience as always i want to thank you for listening to the retire right podcast with larry heller if you have not subscribed to the podcast yet please click the subscribe now button below this way when larry comes out with a new podcast it'll show up directly on your listening device this makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family and i'm telling you what this is the one to share right here because we're all getting older whether we want to admit it or not this is something that we all need to address and uh, take take the bull by the horns and, and really look into what you can do to make a difference in the next five to 10 years and beyond. Again, thanks for listening today. For everyone at Heller Wealth Management, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day, and we'll see you next time.